Welcome to the Swim Swam podcast. As always, I'm your host, Coleman Hodges. I'm joined today by Texas men's assistant coach, Wyatt Collins. Wyatt, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Coleman. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks. So that's, you that's know, the immediate association I have with, with your name. Yeah, I've, uh, I've, I've seen his name on some swam uh, through some articles. And I remember seeing him swim as well. And uh, I think he's honestly, not that I've ever met him personally, um, I think he's the only other Y that I've ever come across in my life. Um, yeah, so wow. special place in my heart, I guess. <laughs> Absolutely. It, I, I also used to coach like a, a six-year-old boy named Wyatt. And so okay. I like, I, I've, I, any Wyatt always has a fond place in my heart <laughs> and, uh, and it, they're always good people, but you, you uh, both I, have I, excellent I, beards and that's also a great thing. Most importantly, right. <laughs> was, was he, was he named after anyone like specifically, like did your parents, like oh, yeah. was there a Wyatt in your family or did, was he named after Wyatt Earp? Wider. Hey, there we <laughs> go. Absolutely, that's my namesake as well. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, absolutely. My dad was like a huge, um, like he loves cowboys and he loves like westerns and yep. uh, yeah. So he was named. He was straight up wider. Is his namesake. Your, I think your dad and my dad would probably get along really well. <laughs> like uh, very much enjoyed westerns, like the Wild West and the whole lore of the West. And yeah, yeah. so um named me after Wyatt Earp and then my little brother Jack uh his middle name is Morgan which mm. is Wyatt Earp's one of his brothers named Morgan so <laughs> there you go oh wow yeah <laughs> little Wyatt Earp history lesson <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> um so, so, so let's let's get a little Wyatt Collins history lesson while we're at it all right um so I know that I, I read today that you know you swam at Boston University for two years but tell us a little bit about your swimming background how'd you get into swimming how'd you end up uh collegiately at, at Boston University yeah um so I uh started swimming pretty late in life um at least when it comes to to most swimmers I mean, my, my dad's a swim coach from New York originally um, he is, he's the head coach of Badger Swim Club out of, uh, Larchmont, New York. Okay. Um, and so I grew up <clears throat> with swimming in my life. Um, like we have a, my family owns a summer camp, uh, which is down the street from my house. And we have a, an eight lane 50 yard pool that was built. <laughs> in, uh, and actually the only reason I know this is because I was talking to my older brother, maybe last week and the pool was built in like 1920 something. It's like an old school concrete pool. And so it's coming up on its hundredth, hundredth wow. uh, birthday yeah. uh, sometime in the next decade. Um, but um, that's where my, my dad's team would train in the summers. And when I was a, when I was a little kid and a little rug rat, I would always go over and, and like, <laughs> I would jump on the summer's backs as they were swimming out outdoors in the middle of sets and um, was always kind of around the pool, but never really found my way uh, into it to train uh, seriously, at least until probably, I don't know, my freshman year of high school. Um, okay. And, you know, my, my dad, my dad knew Eddie. Um, they had served on some like national team staffs together and I had kind of grown up um, hearing some stories about Texas and the Texas men's team and Eddie and Chris. And at some point in my first year or two of, of swimming in high school, you know, I kind of got it in my, my head that I wanted to swim at Texas. And that was, that was where I wanted to end up. And that was like kind of my dream scenario. Um, it didn't exactly work out that way, at least not for the short term, because I, I just wasn't fast enough out of high school to go to Texas. Um, you know, out of high school, I was probably like 452 in the 500, somewhere around there. I didn't break, I didn't break five minutes until my senior year. Um, and 
yeah, that, that wasn't, uh, that wasn't quite what Eddie wanted. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I had to kind of rethink my, my plans and where I wanted to go to school. And, you know, I was still pretty new in the sport. Um, and I kind of settled on Boston University. Um, I looked at some schools that were in the Northeast um, that lined up with where I was competitively um, at that time. And um, some schools that would challenge me as well, you know, um, and would challenge me to get better. And, and so Boston University at that time, um, still actually still has the same, same head coach, Bill Smythe, but he had recently taken over at BU. Um, and he was a, he was a great summer when he was in college, uh, at UVA and, um, my dad knew him as well. And, um, it just seemed like a pretty good place to end up because it was close enough to home. It was about a three hour drive from, from my hometown that, perfect. you know, it was that, yeah, it was that perfect in between where, um, you, you're kind of getting away and living on your own a bit. You know, your parents aren't going to just randomly drop in on you. Uh, but it was close enough as well that if I needed to go home for anything, you know, I could pretty quickly hop in a car, hop on a train and, and be home uh, within a few hours. Um, but um, Boston was like, I, I remember distinctly thinking that, um, oh man, Boston, like, the weather can't be that much worse. It's only three hours north. <laughs> um, it, you know, was probably super similar to what I was used to. And that first winter, I remember just being like, oh man, what have I gotten myself into? Because <laughs> the winters were so much worse, so much colder, so much longer. It felt like it lasted like six months of the year. Um, and so that was, that was a, uh, that was a pretty big change. Um, and fast forward like two years, I kind of decided that I wanted to take a year off uh, from BU and go back home and train with my dad's team um, and just see kind of what would happen after training for, um, you know, training for a year and didn't really have the intention of trying to transfer into Texas or anything like that. Um, I took some classes at Columbia University in, in New York City because it was close to my house just to kind of stay with the academic piece because I felt like if I didn't take classes for a year, it'd be really difficult to get back and like get excited about going to school again. Mm -hmm. um, but um, yeah, after like a year of training with my dad, I ended up uh, going like 435 in the 500, which, you know, still is not anything spectacular. Um, even, I mean, this is back in like 2010, 2011, yeah. still wasn't spectacular back then. Um, but I remember um, Eddie reached out to him and uh, he agreed to, to give me a, a spot on the team and, and give me a walk-on spot. And so, um, I like packed my car up and drove from New York down to Austin. I had only spent like six hours total in the city of Austin before I drove down there to <laughs> school. Um, and that was in the summer of 2011. And um, keeping with like the weather, uh, the weather topic, <laughs> I, I drove down there with my mom, my little like VW golf and had never driven that long or that far in my life. It was like 25 hours, you know, total. Oh, man. And um, got into Austin and history will show that the summer of 2011 was when we were in this middle of this insane heat wave where it was like, all told, it ended up being like 90 something consecutive days of a hundred plus degree temperature. Oh, and I came man. like smack dab in the middle of that. <laughs> and I mean, and it, and it wasn't just like, oh, 100 or 101. Like there were some days in there where it was like 107, 109. And so I remember turning to my mom at one point and just being like, I, I actually don't know what I just got myself into now. I mean, this, <laughs> this, this is crazy. Um, but yeah, so I, I drove down in the, in the summer of 2011 and, and uh, that's how I ended up down in Texas. Yeah. <clears throat> um... Sorry, that was long. I, that was, no, that no, was no. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, 
So uh, can you tell us a, a little about, you know, kind of what you got out of swimming um, at, at, at Boston um, and what, you know, I mean, taking a year off as a college student, you know, that's a big decision. Um, you know, what kind of led you to say, I really want to invest in my swimming more, you know, after, after two years of college swimming? Yeah, I mean, look, like I I knew after my my sophomore year at BU, um, you know, I, I I wasn't making an Olympic team. I wasn't ever going to be someone who was on a national team. Um, you know, I was probably never going to be someone that was going to NCAA's or anything like that. But I do remember really having this um, this kind of this epiphany of man, like I only have two more years left of swimming and even though I wasn't super fast, like I still had pretty high goals for myself. Um, and there were still things that I wanted to achieve. And that's when I decided I wanted to take that, that gap year because I was like, you know what, I, I want to try and give myself the chance to do this because I know that once I'm done swimming in college, then like, that's it. Like there isn't anything after I'm not going to keep swimming for an Olympic trials or anything like that. Um, so I kind of wanted to just take the opportunity to, to see what I could do. Um, and yeah, I mean, Boston, Boston was great for me, um, because it was, I mean, one, I, I was coached by my dad, you know, for, for my entire career, which, which is a, it's an interesting experience to say the least, you know, for sure. anyone who has ever been coached by a parent or a parent who coaches their kid, um, it's really difficult. Um, so it was on one hand, it was great because it was like a very timely transition to go off to college and have a different coach who isn't related to me. And maybe, you know, we don't always see eye to eye and to push me and challenge me in certain ways. Um, and it was just a great experience because I had a lot of really close friends on the team um, that, you know, I'm still friends with to this day. And um, it was, uh, just a, it was a good stopover, you know, in, in terms of my, my career, it was great for where I was at at that point. Um, but, you know, after taking that gap year um, and having the opportunity to kind of complete my dream that I had, you know, as, as a freshman in high school or sophomore in high school, when I was first starting out to be able to go to Texas, mm -hmm. You know, I just felt like that was something that I, I really couldn't pass up, um, and I didn't want to look back on on my swimming career or or my life at some point and say like, man, I really wish I had taken that opportunity and and taken that road and and like gone down it to see where it would lead. Um, and I had I had a kind of inkling at that point that I I might want to coach, and so that was another part of it where um, I felt like the opportunity to swim for Eddie and Chris and to be able to have that experience if I, if I was going to start being a coach or I wanted to explore that option at some point in my life, mm -hmm. um, that just learning from those two guys would be, would be incredible. Um, and that would be pretty much invaluable if I wanted to, to pursue a career in swimming and coaching, I should say. Yeah. Uh, so, so when you reached out to Eddie, and asked, you know, asked for a spot on the team. Did you have a backup plan if he had said no? Um, <laughs> I think the the backup plan at that point was um, either try to, you know, go back to BU or 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 that, that I think that was the backup plan. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. there there was no really other well thought out backup plan. Um, and there certainly wasn't something where it was like, oh yeah, all right, if this doesn't work out, then I'm gonna try this, if this doesn't work out, I'm gonna try that, if that doesn't work out, and I'm gonna try that. Mm -hmm. um, it was a pretty spur of the moment thing, like even reaching out to him when I did, um, and I honestly hadn't expected a whole lot out of it. Um, but you know, it's one of those things where, I guess the, the lesson in it is if you're, if, if you've got like a dream or you're really committed to something or you want to try and see something through, you know, you want to try and make sure you don't leave any stone left unturned. Um, and so that was a, that was a good lesson, lesson in that for that part of my life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you get to Austin, you're sweating your butt off uh, and you get to swim for Texas. Um, so, you know, tell me about, tell me about your first practice with the team. 
Um, so I think the, the first practice, um, I think I was in the lane with, uh, with Brendan Hansen and, <laughs> and Kathleen Hersey. Oh, wow. Uh, Kathleen was training with, with the men at that point. Okay. And, um, it was the, I mean, you've been, you've been to our pool, so you can visualize mm -hmm. it. It's like, you know, our, our side of the pool, um, there's the, the very end lane. I was in that lane with them too, because, um, back then that's kind of where the, the distance people congregated that's where the distance swimmers swam i'm not sure why brendan was over there i mean kathleen you know two flyer um i could see why she might might dabble over there a little bit but yeah i distinctly remember the very end of practice we did 100 im for time and they both were like yeah yeah no you're going first and i was looking at them like are, are you sure? Like, I, I'm, I'm just happy to be here right now, surviving this practice and not be like at the bottom of the pool. Um, you guys are way better stroke specialists than I am. And Brennan was just like, no, man, you're going first. Like you're leaving in 12 seconds. You better, you better get this. And I was like, Oh, wow. Um, so that was, that was a crash course, you know? Um, and that was like, I mean, it's pretty surreal to, to think about, but, um, did you, you make, know, did you, did they like catch you? Did they touch your oh, feet? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, they went, they went 10 <laughs> seconds back, but they beat me. They beat me <laughs> without a doubt. Um, I mean, I think it was one of those things that because I was first, um, you know, they didn't, they didn't pass me or catch up to me, Okay. but okay. I knew what they went and I knew what I went and they definitely <laughs> beat me. They didn't, <laughs> necessarily know what I went but uh okay. yes Brendan uh Kathleen if you guys listen to this you beat me in that 100 I am that first practice <laughs> <laughs> um well, that's <laughs> that's a great first day um I mean yep. so 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 after that you know to walk me through that season with Texas and uh and kind of you know your experience what you gained from it maybe maybe what surprised you yeah, well, I mean, I, I think that the first season, well, that was 2011, that was, yeah, 2011, 2012, um, NCAA year, and that was, like, you know, I remember going into that locker room, you know, almost like a fanboy, right? I mean, like, I was geeking out because of the people that were on the team at that point, you know, it was... Uh, it was Austin Serhoff, it was Eric Friedland, it was Dax Hill, it was Jimmy Fegan, Neil Kasky, um, Jackson Wilcox, McBroom, you know, Michael McBroom, um, Nick Vincenzo, you know, I mean, these were, these were people that like, as a, like a mediocre level summer <laughs> up in the Northeast, you know, like I saw them and would see their times and like, you know, back when that was... I mean, that was before swim swam, but that was when flow swimming was, was still like a, a, a big, um, big swimming media network, I guess. And like Garrett McCaffrey would go and do all those workout. Like I remember the, was it the weekly Wednesday workout or workout Wednesday or whatever. Yeah. It was. Yeah. And like, those were the guys that you would watch. Right. And they'd be throwing down these insane times and these insane sets. Um, and so it, it was a really surreal experience. And I think there was a, a lot of times where I kind of had to pinch myself. The fact that I was even, even on, on a team with them, right. And swimming in the same pool and swimming in the same lanes. Um, and um, it was, it was wonderful. It was, it was an incredible experience, but I also think that in some ways, like I was in over my head because of that, you know, I, mean, I think in some ways I was almost, um, I felt like I didn't belong completely, which was not through anything that the, the team did. It was all through my own, like my own thoughts, right. And my own headspace and mental space of like, Oh man, I don't believe, or I don't belong here. Um, like I remember thinking, I think it was the first week of morning practices. And I remember walking to morning practice with Cole Cragen and Matt Belikonich one, uh, one morning walking from like the dorms to the pool and I was freaking out because I was like, I think they're, I think Ed's just going to kick me off the team, you know, because like, I'm just not good enough. Right. Like I shouldn't be here. Like I shouldn't be here with you guys and like training with you guys. And we're both them like just stopping and being like, 
hey man, like you're on the team now, like you're part of us, you're part of the group, you're Texas Longhorn and don't worry about any of that stuff. Like as long as you're, as long as you're working hard and, and busting your ass, then you're going to be fine, you know? And that was like a kind of a pivotal moment, you know, of just saying like, okay, I had to let a lot of that go um, and just enjoy the time that I have here, you know, because I knew, I knew at that point as well that, I was only going to have two years, you know, and so I, I still wanted to make the best out of it and, and see what I could do in my swimming career. Yeah. Uh, so, so how did, how do you end your first season as a Longhorn? Um, so I, I swam an American short course. Um, so I didn't make the big 12 team and I actually probably, two weeks before American short course, I got strep throat, like so badly. It was, it was crazy. Um, I remember waking up one day and we were tapering, like getting ready for the kind of the championship season. And, um, I remember my throat being kind of sore, figured out just allergies. I mean, you know, living in Austin, I mean, allergies are so bad, like all the time and <laughs> yes. in New York, I'd never experienced before. And so I was like, oh, it's probably nothing like took an Allegra or Claritin or whatever, and just went on with my day. And then the next day or waking up and like being a little maybe feverish and like sweaty and it was a little bit worse, but thinking like, oh, it's, again, it's probably just like really, really bad cedar. You know I mean? That's the thing that everyone, oh, it's cedar allergies <laughs> right. down. Yeah, the cedar. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the catch-all, right? I mean, like, yeah. oh, you had problems here. And then like the third day, like I couldn't even swallow. And like, I remember going to the doctor and they were like, yeah, this is really bad. Like they took me to the hospital. Like I had to get a shot of penicillin. Um, and I did, did not have a good American short course. Um, just didn't was was not a very good meet for me didn't go any best times um but you know it was a it was it was a really good experience just being on the team and um my my workout like my level of my workouts had gone up so much and it was something where I was obviously disappointed that I didn't get to kind of see the fruit uh, the, the fruits of the labor so to speak of, of the entire season but um but yeah, it was, it was a good experience all in all, even though I didn't get the end result that I wanted. Yeah. So did you, uh, did you swim a second year? So yeah, um, <laughs> uh, th this might be a long podcast, but, um, <laughs> yeah, we've I, got time. I, uh, so yeah, I, I did, I, I swam, I swam my, my senior year. Um, I swam, probably through October or early November and then I quit. So it was like a very, uh, it's a very abrupt end to my swimming career. Like I remember calling my dad one day, I was in, I was in distance group at Texas. And so we would do, um, we do two and a half hour practices on Tuesday, Thursday afternoons. Mm -hmm. um, it was before one of those practices. And I just remember like walking in, and like calling my dad and just saying, I, I think I'm going to quit. And he was like, well, you know, give it some time, you know, just get through this day, get through this practice. And, you know, we can talk about it and figure it out going forward. And it had been something that, that was on my mind for, you know, probably a few weeks, honestly, at that point. And I walked out, um, walked out on deck, like not in my suit and, the guys were already in the water, like the rest of the distance group was already in the pool and Eddie was just sitting in the bleachers and I, I sat down next to him and I was like, Hey, Ed, like we need to talk. And he was like, yeah, sure. Of course. What's going on. And I just said, you know, I, 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 I don't think my heart's in this anymore. Um, and I think it's time for me to, uh, to hang up, you know, hang up the suit, hang up the goggles. And he was like, well, why don't, Cause you know, we, we were pretty much coming to the end of our like really hard training right of the fall. Mm -hmm. Um, and we had maybe like another two weeks before we were going to start tapering for our Texas invite, which was always the week after Thanksgiving. And, you know, he was like, well, why don't we just take you out of distance group? We'll put you in mid D, you know, we'll taper you a little bit longer. You know, we'll shave you completely for, for the, the invite and we'll see what happens, you know? And, 
you know, maybe if you go some best times, like it'll, it'll kind of reignite that fire for you. And, and that way we can, you know, finish off the season. And I, you know, I told him truthfully that I, I appreciated that. Um, but for me, like I, this has been something that I've been mulling over for, for a few weeks now. And, and I just, I just think it's time for me to walk away. And you know, I remember him saying, um, well, if, it, if it's been on your mind for this long, then it probably means it's the right decision. Um, and I told him, look, like I want to get the, I, I would love to come talk to the guys uh, tomorrow at beginning of practice and just tell them that I was, I was going to be leaving. Um, and he was like, well, why don't we just do it now? And I was like, okay. Um, <laughs> so he pulled, he pulled the distance guys out of the pool and the rest of the team had started pretty much walking in at that point. So we went in the locker room and they kind of just gave me the floor um and I just like I remember I just like broke down crying you know I mean it was just so all these emotions and like everything was just hitting me um and you know I kind of like barely got it out that you know my heart wasn't necessarily in this and like it wasn't fair for me or fair for Eddie and Chris to take time away from them and it wasn't fair for my teammates and everything and and I remember Kubik stood up and he was like, well, there's one last thing to do for, for, for you, Wyatt. And he just put his horns up and everyone stood up and all started singing the eyes of Texas. And at that point I was just like waterworks, you know, like, Oh my goodness, this is, Oh, I, I, I still get like emotional about it at this point, thinking about it. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and then Eddie pulled me aside after the meeting and was like, look, you know, do you still think that you want to coach? And I was like, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do, but I'm just not sure what to do about it at this point. And he was like, well, I, I want you to still come to practice like three times a week, three or four times a week, whenever you can make it, as long as it's, you know, not too difficult for you to do and be on deck and just, you know, see things from the other, other side. Right. And he was like, that way it'll kind of give you an idea of what coaching is like. And, um, it'll give you an idea of, of it's, if it's something that you would want to do going forward and if it's a career you want to pursue. And so I think like I took pretty much a day off and then I was back the, the following day at practice. And, uh, for the rest of the year, I, I was pretty much there, you know, I didn't, obviously I couldn't coach. I didn't do anything but I would just come and observe and, you know, either pick Eddie's brain or pick Chris's brain. And um, Chris kind of took me under his wing a lot that, that uh, second half of my senior year. Um, and that's how it kind of, kind of got in my head that maybe I wanted to do some college coaching. Um, and that kind of, you know, that seed that had been planted, like kind of started germinating at that point, you know, of, of getting into a coaching career. Um, and seeing how Eddie and Chris interacted with the athletes and the summers from the other side of things uh, was, was really great to see. And it was really good to see just how things worked from the other side. Um, and, and yeah, so then I, that would have been 2013. Yeah, 2013, I graduated uh, from the University of Texas. And, um, and then I actually started, I, I coached club for that summer before I started coaching as a volunteer assistant. But uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, in that, in that, in your second semester senior year, when you were um, just on deck talking to Eddie and Chris, do you remember, you know, a conver specific conversations you had with them or, you know, what you were asking them about, what, what, what little nuggets they gave you during that time? So uh, honestly, like those, those kind of conversations didn't really happen until I was like a volunteer assistant. Um, mm -hmm. You know, really that, that uh, second semester of my senior year, I was like mostly a fly on the wall. You know, it was, mm -hmm. it was a very, um, I don't know, it was a, it was an interesting experience just because, you know, obviously I, because of NCAA rules, like you can't be coaching. There's not a whole lot. For me to do we had a team manager so it's not like i could be a team manager um you know we have a director of ops who is like the best director of ops literally in the world and so he, he, he is at like, every swim meet <laughs> it, it's crazy right i mean he uh you know to total aside but every once in a while i'll think i get like a leg up on john and think that, 
thinking a couple steps ahead and I'll like call him and be like, Hey, John, great idea. I just had, let me run it by you. And I'll, I'll throw out whatever idea that I have or whatever thought I have. And he'll be like, Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I already got that done last week. And I'm like, <laughs> all right, well, I'll, I'll let you do your thing, man. <laughs> um, great. Yeah. That, that second semester senior year was, it was really kind of just, uh, being a fly on the wall, seeing how Eddie and Chris interacted with everyone, how they interacted with each other. Um, you know, I, I would, truth be told, like, I was honestly still kind of shy to, uh, maybe a little bit too shy to ask Eddie and Chris, like, straight up training questions and straight up about, hey, why, why do we do this? Why do you think this is the right way to do this? Why are we doing this set instead of that set? And I figured that for me, um, at that point in my life, you know, I was like, um, this is going to be, now that I'm saying this out loud, it starts to like come up as maybe a theme in my life. But like, this is the last time that I'm ever going to be on deck at Texas. And this is the last time that I'm going to (laughs) be able to be able to spend time with them. And so like, I just want to enjoy it for what it is. And I'm just going to try to absorb everything. Right. Um, and you know i would kind of keep uh i kept like a training log when i was swimming and i would you know kept a log of of practices we would do and practices the guys would do when um when i was observing that that second half of my senior year um just because i was like i need to get it get it while i can because it's it's going to be gone soon (laughs) yeah yeah so so then you coach club in the summer and then you come back as the volunteer yeah, so um, I that was a that was an interesting like hiatus. You know, I I really leaving Texas um, the spring of 2013 when I graduated. I I really figured like that was gonna be it. Um, I had played with the idea of of moving back home and coaching with my dad um, and helping coach my dad's club team, Badger. But um, you know, I. I like so many other people, you know, like come to Austin and are like, I do not want to leave. How can I stay here? I'm not ready to go mm-hmm. yet. And so um, I figured that, you know, Badger for me um, as a, as a coach, it, it's, it's kind of a safety net, right? I mean, like it's something where I can always go back to at some point. Um, and so I wanted to kind of do things on my own and, and kind of forge my own way to a degree. And so, I figured I would try club down in here and, and got um, got a job at Nitro and was coaching Nitro for like, I don't know, maybe probably started in May of 2013 and went until like September. Um, and just because of some scheduling stuff, like I wasn't working mornings anymore um, at nitro and so i'd reached out to chris just you know another kind of shot in the dark and just said hey you know i know uh because the way the way we do morning practices at texas is it's like eddie and chris would be there on monday morning and then only one would be on deck like chris would do tuesday thursday morning eddie would do wednesday friday so you're only having one coach on deck and you know we we have a pretty large team and so i reached out to him which is like hey I don't know if this is of interest to you, but I have mornings free and I don't know if it would be worthwhile to have an extra person on deck um, just to, to help with numbers and, and have, have another person, another set of eyes. And he was like, yeah, that sounds great. And so I went out there for like really only expecting to be going maybe once or twice a week. Um, and maybe after like two weeks, I had gone to every morning practice and Eddie and Chris pulled me aside and were like, Hey, we know that this isn't, uh, you know, it's not going to help pay your bills or anything like that, but would you be interested in being a volunteer coach? And at that point, I honestly really hadn't even explored that. I didn't even know what a volunteer coach was or (laughs) what the role exactly entailed. Mm -hmm. They were like, yeah, we can give you free t-shirts, you know, (laughs) like here. Um, and I think like pretty much before that conversation was over, I made a decision that I was going to leave Nitro and I was going to go back to Texas and start coaching as a volunteer. Um, you know, 
full time, you know, even though you're not, not, not like I'm making full time money or anything. So, um, so I, that's an interesting, this is an interesting thing, right? Because I've met lots of, of college volunteers and yep. it's so interesting to me because I think it's kind of like a rite of, like if you want to get into college coaching, at, at least at like a, you know, kind of like a, a power five D one level, right? you have to go, you have to volunteer for a year. Yep. And they don't get paid. And I'm like, how do you live? So, yeah. so you were volunteering and, and you quit your job at Nitro. How, how did you live and pay your bills? Yeah. So, you know, I, I kind of made the decision that if I was going to uh, be a volunteer assistant at Texas and, you know, th this is like the illusion I made maybe 10 minutes ago that now that I talk about it, it keeps popping up. I was like, all right, well, I'm going to be at Texas for one year as a volunteer assistant, you know, like, and I don't know what's going to happen after that. And I might not have this opportunity ever again. Um, so I want to make the most of it. And so I wanted to pretty much just dive into it head first and act as if I'm, you know, an Eddie or a Chris and I'm going to be at every single workout that I can be. And I didn't want to be coaching club on the side because that would take away from my ability to be at, uh, you know, at the college practices. And so I actually, um, it was super fortuitous. Um, I uh, was just starting my volunteer coaching career right as favor was becoming a big thing in Austin. And so I remember seeing an ad for favor and, you know, they advertised like great pay, like flexible hours, you know, you get to make your schedule. And I was like, that, that is me, you know, that is what I yeah. need right now. <laughs> Let me explore this and figure out what this is all about. Mm -hmm. um, and so I don't know, for anyone who's not familiar with Favor, it's pretty much like an app that their their whole premise, and I, I don't know what they do now, if they still do it to the same degree, but um, they just delivered anything, anything but alcohol right? So it was like, you could go on the app and you could have someone pick up, uh, you know, pick up McDonald's for you or, or pick up groceries, right? You could do like a grocery list or if you're sick, you know, and you want someone to go to CVS and pick up Pedialyte for you and, you know, whatever over the counter stuff, you could do that. Um, and so the first, uh, I don't know, I guess the first year or so I was volunteer assisting when I was working for Favor it was, it was the perfect storm almost where they were still small enough that their delivery area was only, it was between like 35 and Mopac on the east and west, like the river, or it just went barely south of the river. And then the northern border was like 183. So it was like a very small oh, delivery wow. zone. Yeah. And because they were trying to get more drivers, um, they would do these guaranteed hourly minimums. So you could sign up and pick certain hours like dinner rush or sometimes like a brunch rush on, on weekends and you'd be guaranteed to make 20 bucks an hour. Um, yeah. And so I would just rack up those and would just be driving around, you know, Austin at weird hours whenever they would have these $20 guaranteed hours. And that's pretty much how I, I paid for, um, paid for most of my, uh, I guess most of my bills and my rent and all that stuff when I was working, um, working as a volunteer system for the first, probably like 18 months or so. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome uh so so you you volunteer you, you start you start volunteering with the texas team um you know the the texas tradition the texas team is one that is steeped in tradition right i mean eddie's been there for 40 plus years now um i mean we all know how, how storied of a program texas is um what did you start learning about you know those traditions uh, the way they do things. Um, tell us a little bit about just just how you became enmeshed in uh, in the Texas tradition. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think um, I I knew that I was I knew that I was someplace different than I had been before when um, you know that kind of that story that I alluded to or, or told you a little bit about uh, with Matt Belconich and and Cole Cragen walking to morning practice and me like freaking out that 
I'm not fast enough to be here. I, you know, I don't belong here. I'm going to get kicked off. And, you know, them kind of talking me off a ledge and, you know, they had known me for like two weeks at that point, three weeks. Um, and I was like by far the slowest kid on the team. Um, and, you know, in my mind, that was like, uh, and I think in a lot of swimmers minds, you know, they equate their self-worth to, to their speed, right. And their times and, um, which is, you know, in a kind of an unfortunate, uh, side effect of, of the sport in some ways, but, um, that was my kind of the first inkling that I had that this was a really tight knit group of guys and a, and a very close brotherhood where, you know, kind of once you were there, you were in something special. Um, and you know, that, that was something that really stood out from, um, from just my interactions, the first few months I was on the team and, and it just kind of built on each other month after month. And, stories from from Chris and Eddie about you know guys that swam in the late 70s and the 80s and the 90s um and being able to kind of trace like you said the tradition back from you know 2010 2011 2012 2013 all the way to kind of the genesis in 1978 when Eddie and Chris got there from Auburn um and the kind of the, the, the brotherhood of a team culture is certainly the, the biggest thing that stands out talking about like the Texas tradition and just how the team cares for each other and supports one another. I mean, the, the amount of, of team meetings that we would have in, in our locker room, um, which I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's, it's tiny, like it's a really, really small locker room. So you're, you know, you shove like 40 guys in there um, most of whom are like, you know, six, five or whatever. And, <laughs> right. and then coaches. And um, I mean, just some of the team meetings that we would have were, were tearjerkers, you know, I mean, you were, there were guys talking about, you know, family members passing away or, or, or coming down with cancer or Eddie telling stories about um, kind of seminal moments in, in Texas swimming history um, and guys going through really difficult and really dark times and the fact that you know as like a 21 year old guy at that point you know those were feelings that I you know I never wanted to express those to people I never thought about talking to anyone about those let alone uh you know my teammates or my coaches or anything like that and so I think in a lot of ways having those experiences it it brought everyone not necessarily together, but it allowed people to, to drop their guard, allowed people to drop their, their walls and their defenses. And it allowed, it, it gave people permission to talk about hard things. Right. And it, and it, as a result of that, it allowed everyone to get really close because, you know, you just sat through a, a, a meeting where someone was telling you and 35 other guys about how, you know, their father just got diagnosed with like stage three cancer. And, you know, there was a good chance that he wasn't going to make it for six months. And that is a way of bringing people together. Um, and it, like I said, it just gives you the permission to talk about those things and to, to bond in a way that I had never seen before, um, up to that point in my life. And, you know, even going off of, of some of the traditions that just come to mind, you know, one of the, the, the longest running traditions that we probably do is like every Friday after our afternoon workout, um, the guys have a team meeting and it's just the team, you know, no coaches, they all go in there and they go around the room and they clap up different things that they did that week that were noteworthy. Right. And it, it could have been in the water. It could have been in the weight room. It could have been in uh, the classroom. Um, and they spend some time in there doing that. And then they, they vote on where they're going to go to dinner and they all go to dinner as a team together. And that's like, I've had multiple conversations with Cubic trying to trace down when exactly that started. But the, the best guesstimate is like sometime in like, I think the, the mid eighties is, is when that started and it's been happening, you know, pretty much every Friday since then. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's one of the, the really unique things about having Eddie right because he's this direct link that goes across so many generations of Texas swimmers so that any kind of team tradition that starts it just it continues right 
Um, and so I think that's a really cool thing about being part of the Texas swimming and diving team is, is having a lot of those, uh, a lot of those traditions that you can kind of lock onto. Absolutely. Uh, so, so you, you volunteer and then three years in, uh, Chris retires. And at that point, uh, you guys were the, the back-to-back national champions. I'm pretty sure you had won two in a row. Yeah. 15 and 16. Okay. Right. Uh, yeah. And so, I, so why do you think you got the job as assistant coach? Like from your perspective, ask Eddie, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so look, it was, it was a, I think every year that I was at Texas as a volunteer assistant, I figured it was going to be my last year. Um, just because I figured that, that Eddie and Chris would get to a point where they were just like, dude, why are you still here? Right? Like, (laughs) go do something else. Like, go get out of here. We're, we're ready to be done with you. But like, to my, I don't know, to my shock, like they never did, right? And every year they welcomed me back and, um, and things were, were wonderful. Um, And the Chris's retirement was uh, honestly one of the most shocking moments of my life. Um, I had summer 2016, Olympic trials. I, I knew Olympic trials were going to be my last, my last coaching experience with Texas because it was like the natural ending off point. I had talked with Eddie and talked with Chris about it. Um, my lease was, was up in August. And so I was going to pack my, pack my, um, my car up and drive back up to New York and was going to coach with my dad. Um, cause I, I'd always wanted to coach with my dad before he retired. And so figured, it'd be a good, good time to do that. And, um, like I distinctly remember probably it might've been a few, I can't remember if it was a few weeks or a few months before, uh, before trials, but I remember Eddie and Chris sitting me down on the bleachers after practice one day. And they, and they said, you know, cause I've been vocal to them about my plans to go back to New York and to, to coach club and, they both said, look, we, we really think you should reconsider the club versus college coaching route. You know, we think that you should try coaching college and we think that you'd be good at it and just tell us, you know, what, what job do you want? And we will try our best to, to help you get that job. Right. And like, I think at that point, Stanford was open um, and USC might've had an opening, like an assistant, assistant coach opening. Um, and there was a couple other, like, you know, legitimately big name college teams that, that were open and, you know, they were like, look, like we'll, we'll make some calls and and we'll see, you know, if you want to get your resume ready, you know, we can kind of put you in touch with, with some coaches and some ADs. And, you know, I, I thanked them for that. Like it meant a lot to me that they were going to, uh, support me and, and they wanted to help me, but. I looked at him and I, I said, you know, I don't feel, I don't feel right going to some other school and coaching other athletes at a different institution and taking their money because I know that in my heart, like if I had gone to some other program that if we fast forwarded to 2017 NCs, like I was going to be rooting for Texas, right? Like, and that didn't sit well with me and that like, gave me a really icky feeling like I didn't want to do that and I didn't want to try and recruit kids you know to come to some other school when in my heart of hearts like I'm like yeah but Texas is really the best you know (laughs) that's that's where I really really want you to go or that's where you should really look um and so you know I I just told them like look I, I appreciate it but you know I'm not I'm not ready to coach anywhere else and I really might reconsider that at some point, you know, maybe after a couple of years of coaching club, I would get the itch to go to college and it would be, there'd be enough of a gap between me being at Texas and me coming back to college coaching that I could then maybe look at, look at it as more of a job and say, yeah, it's just business. Um, mm-hmm. But at that point, like I wasn't ready to do it, you know, and I remember they kind of looked at me and they, they hemmed and hawed a little bit and were like, are, are you serious? 
And I was like, yeah, like, I'm just going to go back and coach club at Badger. And they're like, all right, you know, and that was kind of that. Um, and then going into Olympic trials, um, Cubic came up to me maybe like the week we were leaving. Uh, and he gave me a signed envelope, right? And, uh, or it was a sealed envelope, I should say. And he asked me to write my name over the back of it, right? The back flap. And he okay. was like, look, these are my predictions for how we're going to do it at, at trials, right? Like every single person, time they're going to go places. I want you to sign over it so that you know that I didn't go change things. And after trials are over, we can open it up and see how close I got to it. And I was like, yeah, that's a, that's a great game. Like, I love that. <laughs> yeah. I'm really, I'm excited to see how close you were. Um, and, you know, like, like I had said earlier, Chris was like my mentor, right? Chris took me under his wing and, and he, I mean, I can't say enough accolades about, about Cubic. And so for him to like, be excited about that. I was excited about it. And I was like, you know, Chris is probably gonna, he's probably gonna guess like 80% of the right times, you know, mm -hmm. and that's like how I held him on a pedestal and, um, you know, went to trials, had a great experience, Olympic trials, um, first time being on deck there. And, um, you know, a couple of our guys made the Olympic team, which was great. And, you know, fast forward to a couple weeks later, we're in the TSC and, um, you know, our, our Olympians. So it was Townley and Jack and Clark were down at, at training camp, which was in San Antonio, uh, mm -hmm. that summer. And, you know, we had a, we had a smaller group because we still had a bunch of guys that were training for us open. That was later in the summer. And we're, we're sitting around beginning of practice one day and uh, Cubic was like, Hey, we need to have a, a quick team meeting just on deck. Um, and we sat down and I had for, totally forgot about the envelope at this point. He kind of pulls it out and he was like, Wyatt, do you remember what this is? And I was like, Oh yes, this is awesome. This is great. Like, let's see. And he opens it up and he takes out a, like a piece of paper and I can see, as you take the piece of paper out that it's a, it's like a letter, right? It's, it's a typed letter. And in my mind, I'm thinking it's a really weird way to make predictions. You yeah. Know? That seems really inefficient. You know, I would have just, <laughs> um, and I remember I was sitting next to Will Lacone, right. And Will's asking me like, what is that? And I was like, meat predictions. I, I don't know. Um, and he starts reading it and it becomes pretty apparent that as he's reading it like it's his resignation letter you know um and I remember like the guys were freaking out I was freaking out you know Eddie was crying like Lacone started crying I start crying you know and and Cubic like it was this beautifully written resignation letter and you know he was planning on staying through the summer um and Eddie talked to everyone for a little while and they were like, all right, we're, we're getting in the pool. And everyone was like, what do you mean we're getting in the pool? And Cubic was like, oh yeah, I mean, you guys all saw that coming, right? And everyone's like, what are you talking about? Like our world has just been shattered you know, because like, it's essentially the pillars of Texas swimming are Cubic and, and Eddie, right? Yeah. Um, and Carol was over there. And like, I remember I'm like hugging Carol and I'm crying, she's crying. <laughs> it, it was just a mess, right? <laughs> sure. An emotional roller coaster. And mm -hmm. I still at that point was like committed to going home, going back to New York. And maybe five minutes after Eddie just in total Eddie fashion, like he just walks by me and he's like, so do you want the job? And I was just like, wait, what? And he was like, well, if you, if you want it, I'd love for you to be here. And I was just like completely in disbelief. Um, and Cubic like pulled me aside and was like, Hey, let's talk. And so like, he pulled me into the office and sat me down and like, we kind of had a, a, a much lengthier talk about like what everything would entail. And he talked me through a lot of things. And I remember walking off of the deck that day and call my mom and being like, 
I think I'm going to stay at Texas. And she was like, what do you mean? And I was like, well, Chris retired. And she was like, oh my God, no, that's terrible. Like what, what's going to happen? Is Eddie going to retire? Is what's going on? And I was like, Chris retired, Eddie's sticking around. And he, he asked me to, to take over for Chris. And I remember like, it was a pin drop, you know, moment. Same thing with my dad. Um, and so that was really like a, I mean, the course of, of 15 minutes, my entire world shifted in my entire life. Like I, I knew I wanted to coach obviously, but it was, it took on a whole different, different direction, you know, and went, went in a direction that I had never, ever imagined in a million years. And, um, I'm still like stupidly grateful for Eddie and for Chris for even being here. And there are times when I still have to pinch myself because, you know, I still feel like in some points I'm, I'm still like that 21 year old kid. who's like walking on the team. who's like, <laughs> wait, is this like a dream or is this actually happening? Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of how that, that happened in, in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's, I, I think it's very obvious from, you know, the answer that you gave to Eddie and Chris about why you wouldn't coach at another college, uh, how, how enmeshed you are in the Texas tradition. And, 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 you know, it's like, if, if, if they're going to pick a wingman, that seems, seems like an easy choice. <laughs> um, so so I guess um, to, to, to kind of come to where we are today, you know, you've, this, this was your third season as in the fourth? Uh, this was my, yeah, finished my fourth, yeah. Okay. So. Fourth season um, in this role. Uh, you know, how, how do you feel you have carried on some of those Texas traditions? How do you feel you've grown them? Have, have you uh, in, in, instilled your own traditions in, in these guys? Um, you know, that's four years. That's a full college class, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's a really, really good question. And uh, so a, a lot of the, a lot of the, the traditions that I still uh, carry on come, for, come to me from Cubic, you know, I mean, Cubic, I think in a lot of ways was, um, you know, the cultural backbone of the team. And he would have a lot of really, really emotional, really deep meetings with, with guys and with classes, you know, talking about, um, talking about things that had happened in the past to people on the team and would weave it into how, you know, why, why we do things a certain way at this point in, in our history as, as a, as a swimming and diving team. Um, and so I, I still do those, you know, um, I still include those as like some meetings I have with, with every freshman class, um, to, to talk about some things. And, um, it's, they're topics that Cubic, um, he always took on. And so for me moving into that role, I wanted to obviously keep those traditions alive and also do it because it was important to Cubic. And if it's important to Cubic, it's important to me, you know? Um, and I think the first, you know, the first year or two I was on, uh, on staff as, as, as Cubic, um, it was, it was interesting because there definitely were points in time where, where things would happen and I would find myself thinking, what would Chris do in this situation, you know? And, and there were times when I would call him up and, you know, he's, he's always been in my corner and he's always picked up my, picked up my phone calls and he's always given me the best advice that I could ever ask for. Um, but, you know, there was a certain point along the way where, you know, like you alluded to a little bit, um, you know, I've been here for four years and there's a, there was a certain point where, you know, I started putting my own spin on things. Right. And I realized that like, it's okay to think of this as, you know, this is my team to a degree, you know, and it's obviously Eddie's team at the end of the day, but I am a coach here and I can maybe do things a little bit differently sometimes. And it doesn't always have to be this like really regimented schedule of how things are going to go. Um, and that was something that I struggled with a little bit. Um, but, um, I think in year three, that was when I got a little bit more comfortable being in the role and I got a little bit more comfortable having my own, my own identity. Right. And, and allowing that to seep into the team a little bit 
and allowing that to seep into the guys a little bit as well uh, with, you know, how we either communicated or um, how they carried themselves, how the team carried itself. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it, it's been a, it, it's been a journey, you know, just in the last four years. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I remember um, at the Minnesota invite this, this past December, yeah. I talked to Drew Kibler and Austin Katz. Yeah. And I think Austin was the, <laughs> I think that Austin was the one who said uh, this team was like this year's team was, was by far the weirdest team that he'd ever <laughs> been a part of. And, and I loved that comment because, because we're in Austin and you're supposed to keep Austin weird and right. like, I'm weird. And, uh, and I like <laughs> to think that Eddie, <laughs> Eddie's such a character, but Eddie doesn't quite strike me as weird. And I like to think that, that that was part, uh, in part, um, from your influence? Uh, you know, yeah, it, it probably, it probably was, you know, I mean, like, I, I, I went, I got my ears pierced, like, in January, you know, uh. so it's <laughs> part of, you know, I have, I have a bunch of tattoos, which has been something that's, like, maybe Eddie and Chris wouldn't always have agreed with, uh, mm-hmm. in the past, but, um, you know, I mean, I think a good snapshot or a, a good story um, to illustrate it a little bit is like for, for a really long time, you know, we've always part of the Texas tradition is, you know, whenever you go to travel meets, we always, we always wear suits, right? Suit, a tie, clean shaven, nicely cut hair, you know, nothing out of place. We want to look like complete gentlemen look, like we are coming from, you know, business office. Um, obviously, we want to represent the university in a great light. And, you know, anywhere we go, if people are asking us who we are, you know, we always take time to talk to them about it and chat on planes and stuff. Um, but one of the things over the last like two years, especially, you know, Eddie and I kind of talked about was, you know, maybe letting people have a little bit of their own flair with it, right? Like maybe not necessarily requiring people to have uh clean shaven faces anymore right maybe allowing people to wear cowboy hats you know with their suit or bolo ties instead of a you know a normal tie or cowboy boots instead of loafers or whatever um and i think that you know you started to see everyone was obviously still a team right i mean everyone has the same general look but people started taking some liberties with, with some flair or with some fashion statements and, and it allows people to kind of forge their own identities a little bit. Um, and I think that this past year cats was spot on and, and drew as well. Like Drew and I, um, we, we spent a lot of time talking, uh, just the past two years about the team. And I mean, he's, I have a lot of great things to say about drew. I mean, he's, um, he's like a world-class kid and he has such a good head on his shoulders and such a high, uh, like a high EQ and he's really good at reading people. And, um, so is Austin. I mean, Austin is, he's such a leader of the team as well. And they both have like, have imprinted themselves on this group of guys, which is incredible to see. I mean, that's one of the best things about being a, a college coach or I would imagine like a professor or a teacher as well. Um, but one of the things that we had talked about was how, this year's team like people were really okay with having their own identity and having their own weirdness right and kind of like embracing that to a degree and everyone loved how freeing it was right and everyone loved how weird everyone else was and so it was this kind of this snowball effect of like you know you have ryan hardy who would be at practice like singing queen songs you know and like you would have Kibler for like almost I think for like 30 or 60 days straight he would do a belly flop into the pool at the beginning of practice and you had all these other like guys who would be practical jokesters and they'd come in and tell the team like really just dumb jokes that weren't even funny but were at some point they were so bad they became funny and it became like a tradition in and of itself um there's one point where the guys on the team started a uh, a cricket hunting competition. <laughs> a, I'm not even kidding you, because 
don't know. I, I don't know where you are in Austin, but um, on campus, like there's a, there's maybe a month out of every year where there's crickets everywhere. Like, have you, have you noticed yeah. that? I don't know if I have. But... No. Okay. So like all the facilities on campus, like there's just, there's crickets around. Right. And <laughs> school is no exception to that. Um, probably because it's, you know, just like a perfect environment for that. Mm -hmm. And so they like, <laughs> they started a cricket hunting competition and they would keep tallies on the whiteboard in the locker room of how many crickets have been caught and how many had been eaten and they <laughs> at the end of it all pitched in and bought a little trophy a cricket hunting trophy and the winner of the competition got that trophy <laughs> <laughs> it's just I mean, it's weird stuff like that where I mean, sometimes, and that's just a sliver of it, but Eddie and I would sit down during practice or before practice sometimes and look at each other and just be like, what the heck is going on, you know? And then they would throw down like some of the craziest practices we've ever seen. And we're just like, all right, something's working, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, well, Wyatt, Thank you so much for your time uh, and for your honesty. Um, yeah, I, I, I certainly appreciated hearing it. Um, and, uh, and hopefully I, I can see you on a pool deck sometime soon. Yeah, I mean, I, I, would, I would absolutely love that. Um, it'd be good to have you back on deck. And once we hopefully get back in the TSC and things get back to normal, we'd love to have you come by practice and get some footage and see the guys sing and maybe we can coincide it with cricket season this year <laughs> fingers crossed <laughs> yeah exactly there we go <laughs>